Hello, everyone. Welcome to Musai Collective. I'm your host, Lindsay Cabrera. And on this week's episode, you'll be meeting multidisciplinary artist and curator Liz Kennecke. Over the past 20 years, since receiving her Master of Fine Arts from Claremont Graduate University in Los Angeles, she has delved into many different projects around the world. For many years, she worked on public participatory art interventions in Barcelona, where she lived. And for 10 whole years, she was almost exclusively dedicated to her community mapping and embroidery project, The Urban fabric where she did in Barcelona, New York City, Bangalore, Fez and Quito among others and this work now appears in many books and academic papers. Liz also illustrates children's books focusing mainly on the natural environment. She has now lived for 12 years on the Spanish island of Ibiza, and her most recent obsession is utilizing synchronized swimming as a medium for art. Liz also curates exhibitions such as Transitions Art Trail, which also featured site-specific work but in the forest of Ibiza. Today, we discuss her urban fabric project, her newly launched Agua Scopio project, the Transitions Art Trail exhibition, and so much more. This multidisciplinary artist is a Musai to watch, and you can follow her on Instagram at liz.kenneke. I hope you enjoy this episode and here's Liz Kennecke on Musai Collective. Hello Liz, welcome to Musai Collective podcast. How are you doing over there today in Switzerland? Hi Lindsay, um, <laughs> great. It's nice to be here with you. Yes, so good to have you. And for everyone listening, in season one, Liz and I actually had a mutual friend, Tazia Meneker, on the show. And she actually mentioned you, Liz, as one of her muses. And so I followed you after that episode. And I've just been following your creative journey since February, I guess that would have been. And, you know, it's so great to have you on season three and share your story. So I'd like to start off this conversation with having you share your origin and where it all began for you as a multidisciplinary disciplinary artist and curator. Sure. <laughs> Happy to talk to you today and my origins. I guess I've always been into art. I was originally a painter, a figurative painter about 20 years ago. And then I went to art school, which is art school tends to blow your mind off <laughs> and into another direction. So I was in art school in LA and I started to do some very strange installations and performances with fruits and vegetables, actually. But that really just kind of set me off into just kind of new dimensions, really. I was also, at, right after school, I was teaching art in some universities around the, the Midwest. And then I decided I didn't really want to do that anymore. So... What I wanted to do was move to Europe. So I moved to Barcelona. Well, you mentioned to me when we spoke last week that for about 10 years of your life, you've traveled to almost all of the continents in the world with your urban fabric project. Can you tell us what's this all about? So actually, I would say it started with me moving to Barcelona and being a foreigner and being just really interested in, in what does this city mean? What are all the, the meanings attached to, to every street corner, every park, and, and wanting to find that out from people you know what are what are the local people's memories what are what do they view as positive and negative what are some of the historical things and so I started to do an embroidery project embroidery is is a hobby that came down for me from my grandmother she actually would do quilting circles embroidery and quilting where she would sit around with a bunch of friends chat gossip and work on one piece together and so what I thought is I could actually actually take that same kind of concept, but turn it inside out. So 
have, so what I did was embroider different maps of different places. It started in Barcelona in my neighborhood there. And I would bring it to the public space and I would have a whole bunch of just neighborhood people who were walking by, passers-by. So strangers sit down at this, at this embroidery of their neighborhood and start talking about the neighborhood. And I would ask them things about what are your memories of this place? Where do you live? What do you see as something that needs to change? Things like that. And then they would actually embroider into the map using tiny symbols, their memories, their opinions of the place. I started that in Barcelona and then I, I realized what an amazing way to just to get people's personal stories. And it's kind of a sociological experiment in a way. And so I traveled as well to New York City for a psychogeographical conference about that, to India, to Ecuador, to Morocco. And I haven't really stopped yet, except a little bit during the pandemic. The project requires a little bit too much of people sitting close by each other and breathing on each other. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny that, you know, this is something that you had been working on the last 10 years, and it's such a great way to directly meet the local people wherever you're traveling and hear the local stories that you may not necessarily even find out if you're just there and walking around, you would never know. You didn't live there. So that's really a great idea. And I think obviously there was a pause with everything and probably a little bit more difficult for you to do this in in, in a public space with strangers, but it'll be very interesting once you can bring that back because people need community and community makes people happy and feel a part of something. And I feel like people have just been so apart that this is just like a whole sense of community. It's like a snowball effect. I feel like the people, it brings them happiness, I'm sure. <laughs> Great point. Like I hadn't thought about that, but but how much it will be really appreciated after the pandemic. In a way with the project, you know, you would you would have neighbors meeting each other for the first time there at the at the embroidery or things like that. So it really is creating community and we're going to, we're going to need that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like many people are craving that community environment and gatherings and just maybe not necessarily. I know in some countries, you know, the government says you can be with six people in your pod or 10 people or, you know, I kept going up and down over the last couple of years. I think when it, once people are able to gather again in the streets like this and create something together, that's so wonderful. And I think people are going to be really needing that kind of experience again. I think it's going to be almost profound to create with strangers when you were not supposed to be around anyone for a year and a half. <laughs> to be, you know, literally rubbing elbows with the strangers and sharing thread and sharing scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the, how this past summer you executed a secret underground art experience called Transitions Art Trail in Northern Ibiza, Spain. And what was this Transitions Art Trail offering and what kind of magic transpired during this project? You just mentioned that, you know, we've had restrictions of six people, for example. Well, uh, pretty much all winter in Ibiza, um, we had that, but we still wanted to make art. <laughs> and we also wanted to support some other artists because just artists... Artists, dancers, performers haven't had much work during the pandemic, right? So with a friend um, named Bex Kronek, we decided to do an itinerary art experience in the forest where we invited about 13 local, well, artists who live in Ibiza. And we invited, we invited them to do a site-specific performance or installation in the forest. And so what we did was we, we got some performer friends, very amazing ones, to to be guides and to guide very, very small groups through the forest on a one and a half hour hike. And so along this hike, they were asked to walk in silence 
and kind of very consciously to be very present to do what we call forest bathing, which is kind of a Japanese concept called Shinrin-yoku. To be just kind of soaking in everything that there is to experience in a forest. And then on top of that, they would experience, they would just come to a clearing and find kind of an interesting shamanic installation, or they would find a dancer coming out of the forest and then dancing around them on the path. We took them into an old ruin and then there they would just find a hand reaching out, giving them a basket of little bites to eat. We had an, an artist dancing naked in the forest, kind of working out her her past traumas. We actually had Tasia Menaker, who you mentioned earlier, one, one of the people you interviewed. She was dancing tango in a red dress, kind of far away in the forest. And it was just magical. I love that. There were many like surprising things. And I think people really craved seeing, seeing something authentic and also seeing something not in the white cube. You know, I think seeing art in the forest, it's like there's so much meaning already to the forest and there's there's different weather and there's different lighting that's always changing and you have memories of what it's like to be in the forest. So it was just incredibly enriching for, for everyone. Yeah. I was of course following this on your Instagram and I kept seeing some of your posts and I was like, what is happening here? This looks amazing because, you know, as you said, this is like in the thick of this pandemic, but you made it work. You took this art and fused it with the nature and created this special experience for these people. Will you continue to do these kinds of trails again in the future? We would like to. We're, we're, we're kind of exploring other locations. It, it was actually much more work than we even expected. It, it took eight months of really oh, hard wow. work. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah it's, it's actually more complicated to to plan things in the forest. We somehow didn't realize that would be true, but it is. <laughs> it's, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, the logistics. Yeah, we hope to do more. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you've opened up yourself to some new inspirations recently, and you've begun to fuse together different mediums. You're currently birthing a new project called Aguascopio, which is a combination of swimming and art. So what inspired you to move forward with this and what exactly is the concept. Yes. I I have the the great fortune to live in in two beautiful places, Ibiza and Switzerland, which both have a lot of beautiful water that are nice to swim in. And during the pandemic, I had a little bit of extra time on my hand, which I was also happy about. So what I did was I took a sport that I used to do, which was synchronized swimming something I did as uh, growing up. And I decided, hmm, I could actually, I could swim in nature. I could do some synchronized swimming out in the wild and very experimentally, like just, I'm just going to film myself. I'll make these little vignettes. I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to see what it means to me. I'm going to see what it means to other people. Just kind of put it out there on the internet, even though I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. <laughs> I fell in love with it. I, you know, I got search for new beautiful places all the time. So it's actually a collaboration, first of all, with a photographer who is called Tasia Meneker, who we've already talked about twice. Yes, yes. Also an artist in Ibiza called Elebana, who is an award-winning costume designer. And she also does synchronized swimming, which is just something we randomly found out during the pandemic. And then with one other photographer, who Jakob Hronik, who is a free diver and he is doing underwater photography. So basically, Elebana and I, we are swimming around, doing routines in the beautiful waters of Ibiza, being filmed from underneath. And Tasi is filming us with a drone. So kind of bird's eye view, 
fisheye view, these kind of kaleidoscopic shapes. We're super excited. We're basically launching the project to the public this week. And Yay! <laughs> so we're going to be doing more this fall, more swimming, uh, more filming. But I think it's really interesting because it's really fusing all these different disciplines together. And it is experimental, you know, and we're just we're just seeing how it's hap- how it's working. But it's it's really interesting because, for example, you take the drone and she's filming us swimming and doing doing beautiful shapes and everything. But then as she as she brings the drone up, it becomes not about the swimmers anymore. And it just becomes about how amazing our planet is and this beautiful water and this incredible landscape. And so it's actually just aesthetically much more interesting than we even thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And Visa has the most beautiful little spots for this kind of stuff. And the water is art itself as well. So as much as like you're doing your synchronized swimming and there's the photography, but at the same time, the landscape is also providing like art as well because our earth is so beautiful. <laughs> so, you know, as an artist and a curator at heart, what is the importance of staying creative during difficult times such as during a global pandemic i guess i just feel feel really lucky to in a way to like have already viewed myself as an artist before the pandemic started i think everyone has absolute infinite creativity inside of them and i think a lot of people did realize realize that during the pandemic you know that sometimes during a lockdown they were like oh what am I going to do? I'll make some crazy video with my kids or something, right? I think we all were kind of impressed by by some of these some of these things that we saw during lockdowns. And um, I think it's just super important for like funneling your anxiety and you know not knowing what's going to happen in the future, just forgetting about that and focusing on on a project. It just can save your your mind. <laughs> for sure, your sanity. And I think we forget, or maybe you had projects that you, you were working on, anyone, whatever it may be, and you get so busy and then all of a sudden you have nothing but time and space to create again. So I feel like it's important to hone that energy back in and because it gives you that positive energy again, you're not freaking out about what's really happening in the world. It kind of just like brings you back down. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of that, who were some of your artistic inspirations during this year and a half of pandemic? Well, like I said, I, w- I was actually quite inspired. Well, obviously I didn't go to museums or anything, but <laughs> I was quite inspired by things I found on the internet. And one in particular, I have a friend who actually lives in Ibiza. His name is Arnaud Lala. He's a Dutch artist. And he, during the first lockdown we had in Spain, we weren't allowed to leave our house for two months only to go to the grocery store. We would be fined a thousand euros if we left the house, etc. So it was very strict. And I, for example, was, was completely by myself for one month. I didn't see a single person. But luckily, my friend who was on the other side of the island, he started this Facebook group called Theme Days. And the idea was just that every day there was a different theme and you just had to make some kind of picture to share with the group based on the theme. And that was it. And after about two weeks, there were 6,000 people in this group just incredible artists all over the world. And so they would be like, you know, Purple Day. Actually, I was wearing this dress for Purple Day. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> my face is cabbage and I had a cabbage on my head, you know. <laughs> you know, it was just like finding random things in your house that went with the theme, you know, a toothbrush, uh, whatever it is, you know, and, and somehow making a photo. But like, 
this was just an incredible way to, to, to laugh, first of all, at yourself and at, at other people's photos, and then just to be creative in a, in a new way. And this was like, this really did save my sanity, actually. I, I was doing it every day. And, and something that was interesting was like, for me, I'd, I had always done these projects that were kind of quite conceptual and thinking about them for years and planning them for years. And the idea of just doing a single piece of art in one day or even in 15 minutes was really liberating. And just to say, that's it, it was really fresh. Yeah. And so that, that project was, was incredible. And he made an amazing book now as well. That's so awesome. And I think especially during those two months, especially during the lockdown (laughs) to be able to like create something new every day, just like whatever you have in your household. That's so fun. Again, have a laugh, connecting, making new friends, probably in this group. That's what it's about. These, these little things. So kudos to your friend. (laughs) Many of us have our own hobbies right at our fingertips which we may have put on the back burner as we get busy with our day-to-day lives. In what ways can people make new art forms with the hobbies they already know and love? Yeah, so I have quite some ideas about that because, so for example, embroidery for me was a hobby, right? And synchronized swimming was another hobby, actually a sport, really, right? But it was just taking those things and just putting them into a slightly new direction to just think like, okay, I'm not going to do what I normally do with it. I'm going to actually make art. I'm just going to experiment with it, take it into a new context. And I think everyone could do that with whatever hobby they're currently into, or even it doesn't even have to be a hobby. It could be just like an activity they do every day, like doing the dishes, you know, (laughs) you could just film yourself, do like a thousand iterations, try different ways, like do it really slowly, do it fast, do it naked, do it in a river. You know, you could do some maybe like stop motion and take like the forks and spoons and make them walk all over the kitchen. <laughs> Whatever <See? laughs> it do with doing the dishes, right? So yeah. I feel like that is that's what we can really explore, especially during pandemic times, because maybe we're not we don't have access to what we the art we normally like to do, or maybe we we don't even consider ourselves an artist yet, but everybody has hobbies or daily activities that they can experiment with, I think. Yeah, I think it's just completely forgotten about if someone doesn't view themselves as a professional artist or it's a profession or career, then they don't see it as something that they're going to do as an activity per se or create something or like, you know, get into a new specific type of creating art or like you said, something simple in your households, you know? So I think it's really important to like remember that we can create art with whatever we have and to step back into our inner child and just play, you know, it makes you happy. Like, I just think it's so wonderful, (laughs) you know? Okay. I just want to get to the part where you were discovered for me. (laughs) Can Can you share with us maybe one or two muses in your life that you'd like to give a shout out to? Sure. Well, one of them I mentioned already, she's my swimming partner in Aguascopio. It's Elabana. She's a costume designer, singer, songwriter, synchronized swimmer. She just does everything and it's amazing to me, just her very being. And then another artist who actually was in the Transitions Art Trail, her name is Annalisa Rinaldi. 
She's an Italian artist who is also just living art. She paints, she does buto dance, she combines these things. She's she's a true artist and experimenter, I think. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing. I love hearing about other Musai's Musai's. <laughs> and that's why you're here today. So <laughs> for the next, you know, well, the rest of your life, probably. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, I'm just going to have this backlog of all of these Musai. And I think it's just part of what I'm trying to build with this community here. So I love hearing about everyone's muses because I know that inspired me to even create this podcast. I was like, hmm, I have so many muses in my life and I want to just highlight them and let's do this, you know? So, I mean, this was a passion project for me that was birthed through this pandemic. I would have never thought of doing this ever if I was just having the time and space again, you know? We're going to get to the follow your bliss finale question. Can you share with us one positive affirmation? Well, I would just say make art with your life. Yeah, <laughs> I like That's it. Life is what we have. And even if you don't think it's a super interesting life, it's it's still art and you can still be creative with it. So. Absolutely. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And actually, I would love for you to send me over your content for your Aquascopio that you're going to be launching later this week. And I would love to share on Musai Collective so everyone can check it out. And, you know, it was so great to hear your story today and share your experiences. (laughs) It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Liz. We'll see you soon. (laughs) 